Well, hello out there, planet Earth. Happy Friday. I'm back from vacation. I'm loose. I'm relaxed. It's Friday, and it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. ICYMI, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders advocating on their behalf. They're employees, too. Can't forget about employees. I believe very strongly in sharing stories, providing perspective, and creating connection. So every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.myc doing just that, lending what's left of my mind and my voice to this radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. One thing that I've noticed over the years, everyone, some of the best thought leadership for SMBs, business in general, but especially SMBs, it actually happens on Friday, right about the time we feel the freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're also anxious to start the weekend, our little mini vacation, these crucial pearls of wisdom. They're often overlooked. They're pushed aside. They're forgotten in favor of our fun activities and our freedom from work. Here on the show, we take advantage of that freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. The name of the show, not just a play on words. My last name means free in German. A little bit of quick method behind the madness here for everybody. Today's show is brought to you by SDA Well. Strategies, a boutique financial services firm located in Hudson Valley, New York, offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for clients. SDA stands for Simplifying Financial Lives, Designing Financial Strategies, and Advocating to Implement Them. SDA offers a concierge experience for individuals and businesses alike, the firm's highest priority, always their clients' best interests while empowering people to be consciously proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow, and beyond. To learn more, visit SDA Wealth Strategies. Dot com. So, just fresh back from Wildwood Crest, vacation with the family, my brother's family, my parents. Great to hang with the family. Great to have my daughter back from sleepaway camp. Although we're already in pretty much full swing of chauffeuring the girls back and forth to the dance school. I spend about four days plus a week at the dance school. And sometimes it feels, it feels like six days a week, but uh, I know my wallet feels that way. But at least four days a week at the dance school, chauffeuring everybody back and forth. Labor Day weekend is here. We can feel that school is about to start again and get back to a regular schedule. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about shifting perceptions through performance, a little bit of the dance school lens on things. So the need to see dance and arts is essential because there are. They are. The arts is essential. You can't have science without art. You can't have art without science. So, you know, really, we, like, we want people to really get more aware around the world of the arts. Some schools, some locations around the country are a lot more into the arts than others, but it's, it's kind of an essential part of life. So today we're going to hear from somebody who teaches dance in all aspects of the dance world, culture, history, business side advocacy, there can be great connection but with different communities and offer collaborations that really uplift all of the different types of partners out there. I know that my special guest would agree, but dance and the arts always kind of offers a way to understand the world, very story-based, right? So again, our special guest has dance at the center of all projects, but with the interest to ask and perhaps maybe answer a few other social and philosophical questions that'll help in other pieces of life. 
In addition, there's also a set structure as far as uh, a metaphor for a lot of the performances to delve a little bit deeper in these questions, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about today. Talk is cheap. We're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight on the business landscape and create some more impact on Monday morning. It is far too often in my travels. SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all of their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, one consistent thing I see out there, these products change every day in everything that we do, personal and business, it doesn't matter. You got to surround yourself with the right people first. Focus on the process of execution that's going to get you where you want to go. The right products will be there when you need them. I promise you everything begins and ends with the people. So you guys know I love people. I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm a little, a little giddy, actually. It's somebody who can intimately identify with uh, all the time that I spend at the dance school. Our, our special guest is none other than Adrian Clancy. PhD, MFA, founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company. Adrian has been proclaimed a wizard of invention by the Washington Post, a Maryland-based dance artist as a tour de force of unpredictable partnering. Her work explores architecturally informed partnering developed amongst diverse artists. We're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. Assured to be simultaneously dynamic yet extremely human, the choreography exemplifies an environment of mutual respect and creates potent images that embrace diversity and community awareness. Over the past 20 years, Adrienne has choreographed and performed throughout the world. She was invited to perform at the first Suzanne Delay International World Dance Competition in Tel Aviv and the sole student choreographer to represent the United States in the International College Dance Festival in Kobe, Japan, which toured to Tokyo and other Japanese cities. Adrian completed a PhD in dance from Texas Women's University. In addition, holds an MFA in dance from TWU and an MA in dance with an emphasis in history and criticism from the University of New Mexico. Don't mess with Adrian on dance knowledge. She will school you. In 2001, Adrian founded the Clancy Works Dance Company, a greater D.C. area-based nonprofit company consisting of highly qualified local and national artists. Adrian's also the founding director of the Dance Educators Training Institute, DETI, a professional development workshop for artists and educators that's been in existence since 2007. Through the clever motto, Shifting Perceptions Through Performance, Clancy Works uses the arts as a vehicle to develop mutual understanding, advance positive social action, and develop emerging artists and educators. Clancy Works has been included in the catalog for philanthropy and in Greater Washington as one of the best community-based nonprofit organizations in the region. Clancy penned the forward for reminiscences of a reminiscences of a try saying that three times fast. Reminiscences of a Dancing Man, a book written by Bill Evans, who is someone else she has collaborated with, and published by the National Dance Association in 2006. She's been on the faculty for numerous university dance programs around the country. She is honored to receive awards for her teaching and choreography and has presented at the TEDx Mid-Atlantic Conference, also invited as the keynote speaker for the Anne Arundel Arts Council along the way. Adrian's a dance machine. She's the perfect person to chat about with this topic. As always, we will discuss my favorite questions around movies, TV, and music. Joining me from the scene of the recent Fry family vacation in Wildwood Crest this morning, Adrian, welcome to Always Friday. A pleasure to see you here in my virtual world. 
Oh, great, Stephen. And thank you so, so, so much for inviting me. And oh, my goodness, I just have to also highlight that all of those accomplishments are only made with my team, right? It's really with the company and with all of the partnering with all the dancers and all of the people who have collaborated with me that make everything possible. Absolutely. It's all about the people you surround yourself with. I think about my dance team as my daughters these days, but I love the work that you're doing. We're going to get into this. I love a great combination of science and art and you really have it, but let's get a little bit of the founder's journey. Tell us how you got where you are today. Oh, great. Well, I love your stories about your daughter's dancing because literally, you know, that's where it began with me was this idea of, uh, you know, I started dancing when I was younger and I'm the youngest of a family of six. I should say that first. And my mom was like, okay, everybody could do one thing, but one thing only, because as you said, right, it's not only the funding and the fees, but the transportation, right. To be able to get from place to place. Um, and so basically, uh, you know, I love dance and I took dance and it was like, oh, I needed to do more than just jazz. So I want to take ballet. And then it was like, oh, I want to take tap. I want to do all these other things. But my mom, the rule was, right, one thing. So I'd say I started learning about business from my sisters who started a babysitting business. I'm the youngest. So by the time I was 10, 11, they already had the whole neighborhood mapped out on who had the best food, who gave the best tips, right? Who had cable, who didn't have cable. Very, very important. Right? Yep. So I mean, come on now, I'm telling you that's what's really important. And all you people who are looking for babysitters, that's what's going to bring them in. <laughs> and so it's true, right? True that. So basically, um, you know, so I had the babysitting, but it wasn't enough for dance. So I started, I had a newspaper route. And I remember, you know, being the newspaper route, it was first the joke on the block, like, oh, here's a newspaper boy. Oh, the girl. Oh, yeah, here she is. But then when I delivered those papers on Sunday morning, 5 a.m., everybody had theirs, right? Then it was like, oh, who's the superwoman newspaper girl coming, right? <laughs> and they started to realize. So I think from a young age, I realized, A, you got to work for stuff. B, you got to change the system from within because literally those newspapers routes paid for my dance classes. Mm -hmm. And graciously, I had parents, my friends, I have to just say the friends of my, um, the moms of my friends helped carpool me because my dad was like, I could do one time and that's it. So I just say that in terms of the, the what how that started my whole life of dance was I realized how much of local studio dancing is based on money as you said right it's yeah. great for kids it's I mean it is arts are essential I'm going to be really um, clear about that and I also am going to talk a little bit about how to be intentional because I don't think we all need to be paying out of our pockets I think we pay enough in taxes and there's enough money in taxes for cultural development that as our taxes are going for you know to change streets um, and also to figure out different programs that as we continue to put tax money towards the arts we're developing the next generation to be creative to figure out how you get out of a pandemic what do you do during a pandemic to make something that turned it into an opportunity because that's what we did at Clancy works for mm -hmm. sure yep definitely. that's the essential part and then I would say too it's a you know the safety that your daughter's feeling in that local dance studio um, you know when I was in the local dance studio we didn't have the internet I didn't have social media I just had like you know I just had to show up at school the next day and hear things in person right <laughs> right 24 <laughs> 7 but um, <laughs> It was a safe space, a, such a safe space. And I say this because what I realized um, then, it was about management and leadership. You talked a little bit about that. And in the, in the studios, when I had really good teachers, they always affirmed me, right? Mm -hmm. And the critical, the critical aspect to help me get better was through questioning, right? So rather than like telling me what to do and telling me what was right and what was wrong, it was really like asking like, how does this make you feel when you stretch in a way that's proper? Like when you're doing a proper stretch and the proper is just that it's not hurting your body, right? Everyone's, you're going to have millions of ideas of what a proper stretch is. Proper stretches is, is it not hurting your body? Is it regenerating your body? Is it making you feel better? And is it building your body as opposed to breaking it down? Then it's a proper stretch. But you know, how 
how do you find that inside of yourself when you're 10 years old and you're thinking that you're hearing, right, no pain, no gain, and you're kind of these conflicting yeah. ideas. So I say that in terms of I connected um, always business in my life, questions philosophical to dance. So right there, you have a lesson in leadership right there, right? What's the difference between management and leadership? How can you lead? A leader to me brings people with you. Um, around you up and they're with you because if you're really a leader, you're learning just as much as you are, you know, trying to help people out. Actually, I think people help me out more when I'm in the leader position. My, my company helps me much more than I think I'm helping them as much as I try to try to try to constantly figure out how to help them and figure out, um, and how do I help them? I figure out what is what, what is it that they want? What are they asking for beyond the job? Okay. This is beyond the job because everybody knows a job is going to be, um, you have one foot in the door, you have one foot out because everyone's thinking about what are they going to do after that job? Where is that job going to lead them? So for me, it's like, um, and I, I'll, I'll, okay, I'm just going to say this. I talk a lot in tangents and a lot in circles. <laughs> By the end of this hour, they're all going to connect. All right. They're all going to come and connect. So don't you worry. But yeah, I, I would just say, just to bringing this back to the circle, these local studios, the early times of dancing are essential because they teach our kids how to be creative. But if you have a good teacher, and I say a good teacher is one who affirms and also asks you questions so you push yourself it's not the teacher pushing you they're getting you to push yourself because you have to be internally motivated now i could keep going on but i'm gonna let you ask me another question and then maybe some of the tangents could connect i'm gonna ask you to hold some of those thoughts because they're extremely pertinent for where we're going in just a minute when we come back from this break with adrian clancy founder and artistic director at clancy works dance company stay with us Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. And it's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We are back with Adrian Clancy, founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company. Before we get into the method behind the madness in Adrian's world, I just wanted to sit out by the fire pit briefly, which uh, I'm looking forward to lighting up later this evening. It's going to be a beautiful day <laughs> and a beautiful evening. Uh, but yeah, we're, Adrian was talking just now about some of the, the life lessons and some of the everyday leadership skills and training versus management, things that can come out of the artistic type of world. And you know, most folks here know that I like a good blend of science and art, and this is really doing it with style. If you look at the mission of Clancy Works Dance Company, increase the public appetite for an understanding of the arts by presenting high-quality dance performance and educational programs, expanding the relevance of dance in people's lives, demonstrating that creative movement can be used for many other things, and nurturing the leadership skills and artistic excellence in emerging artists. So you talk about educational programs and high-quality dance performance. Some schools concentrate on it, some don't. Increase tangible impact and creative movement. You know, solving conflicts, community connections, academic, civic responsibilities. These are all things that most schools and most people in general, they want to promote. But many don't grasp that it can really be fostered well in the world of the creative arts. Which brings us to the last part, you know, leadership skills and artistic excellence. Leadership versus management is something that Adrian and I were chatting about and that I've chatted with a whole bunch of other folks about along the way. Could do a whole other show just about that. But having a foundation in the world of creative arts can really foster some of the skills needed to be an effective leader. Why? Because as Adrian was saying before, and very similar to the mantras of talkradio.myc, being an effective leader means you can uplift, educate, and empower those around you. Period. There's not much more complication to it than that. I love quotes, Adrian, so I'm going to kick this off. Also, this, every time I talk to you, this quote kept resonating with me. I like a lot of Mark Twain quotes. Dance like nobody's watching. Love like you've never been hurt. Sing like nobody's listening. I know you like singing, too. And live like it's heaven on earth. So, Adrian, this is the method part of the show, the science behind what you do, what you do, how you do it, how you go to market for it. So lay it on us. Talk to us a little bit about the world of Clancy Works Dance, Dance Works. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I, I, you know, I know when people hear that, they're probably like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, how does dance do that? And I'll just give you something very, very concrete and simple. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you want me to talk about science of this, but I do just because I want to call upon, I think it's really important to highlight what dance can do. So here's an example. I teach a lot in Baltimore uh, mm -hmm. County Public Schools. And Baltimore, uh, many of the schools that I go into are um, maybe, I would say, 80% African-American or black in, um, you know, 15% white, um, you know, and then 5% um, mixed, you know. And so basically, and then I go in and I want a partner and I say, okay, like find a partner. And immediately what you see is all the black kids go with the black kids and all the white kids go with the white kids. It drives me nuts. And it's something where for me, I just realized 20 years ago, starting a class, it's like this, this has to change. Um, it hasn't changed yet in the 20 years, but I would say what happens in the change that I see is over the course of a residency, by the end of the residency, people are partnering with diverse friends, people with whom they have never thought would be their friends, um, because that is the power of when you bring people together non-verbally and making art and focus on the art and then when you're focusing on the art and getting people connected then we can also then have the difficult conversations and actually talk about race and we talk about race all the time in my classes it will come up um, whatever I see will come forward and I would say in terms of what's the science behind what we do uh, from the very beginning right I always said as I said to you before I've figured out 
the way I could understand the world was through dance, whether that was my body dancing or creating choreographically by asking questions and seeing how other people would answer those questions creatively or watching it in the classroom, right? As you see when, um, you know, I would always say, I love working with K through 12 because middle schoolers and high schoolers will let you know immediately if you are not giving a quality performance, right? They are the Agreed. First Tough critics. So, Tough critics, right? So before we ever go on stage, right, for a formal public review, I'm like, we got to make it past the middle schoolers and the high schoolers. Um, and I say too, I do believe in Disney. I really think Walt Disney knew the science, which was how do you create quality work so everybody in the audience can get something from it? So our work has to talk to case. It has to talk through K through 12. It's got to talk to your seniors. It has to talk to your PhDs. Has to talk to your, um, you know, your person who's just, you know, hanging out. Um, I mean, it, it's got to talk to everybody if it's really going to be a relevant and then be um, in a long time, right? Ability to go to market. Um, but for me, even beyond the market, it's really that sense of, can you create work that does say something for everybody? Mm -hmm. So it might be just like the physicality might be amazing in our work, right? For someone who's super young, maybe pre-K, right? They could be engaged with just that and just kind of looking at that. Um, but I always have multiple layers of questions because when we make the dance, we're asking multiple questions. So in terms of, you know, the, the science is really, um, I would say this is the really big science. When I was younger, um, I remember thinking, oh, everyone says you're going to, you know, we want to make a million dollars. But I said to myself, why would I want to make a million dollars? If I had a million dollars, what would I use it for? And I, I remember that song. If I had a million dollars. Yes. Sorry, I, I digress. No, no, I'm with you because it's always, if people think it's the money, but it's for me, it was like, well, if I was going to, what would I do? I would travel. And I was like, you know what? I could dance and travel the world because dancers perform and they travel the world. So basically, you know, it was like asking that question made me not be afraid of in, in going into a dance career because what's the biggest fear of everyone's dance career that you're not going to make money. But I'm going to tell you, you may not. You may not be the richest person in the world, but internally you will be, and you can sustain yourself. Because for me, it's not about extreme wealth. It's about being sustainable, right? right. So you figure out what do you need to sustain yourself in a, in a healthy, happy lifestyle, and what is it that you most want to do to make that happen? And I would say, um, you know, that's really the key, right? It's fear that stops us from everything. When I see people who didn't realize their dance dream, it's they stopped after the first two or three years because they didn't get to the company or into the part or whatever but it's also like uh, it's not going to happen in the first two or three years who builds their business in two or three years and then you know they're immediately able to survive on their new business that they build right but, but yet there's a lot of people out there looking for instant gratification especially if you're looking in the small medium-sized business world but a lot of what you're talking about adrian is the exact type of science that I like to to talk about with people. And, you know, what I brought it up before, architecturally informed partnering work, and you mentioned it just now, you know, give everybody a little bit of quick education behind that. That that very concept is a unique way of bringing people together within dance, not only as an aesthetic statement, which is what a lot of times people are focused on about how everything looks and how it makes them feel, but just as a as a power as a source of powerful images that embrace diversity and exemplify trust. Kind of like you walking into the Baltimore schools and seeing seeing it immediately flock to light colors. Like that's that's crazy to see that way because it shouldn't it shouldn't be seen that way. But it's you know you say in some of your commentary here you're passionate about your efforts to come combine physically demanding and powerful movement with the sensitive portrayal of, portrayal of cultural nuances and personal emotions. That's not an easy feat. So talk to us a little bit about overcoming some of that through your methodology. 
Yeah. Well, I'd say it starts with how I just talked with the Baltimore schools. <clears throat> and as you see, um, we're very, we've been very intentional. So I'll also give you a little bit of personal background, which is my mother is from Guyana, South America, and my father's from England. And if you know anything about like Caribbean, West Indian culture, my mom, Guyana, very, very, very close, right? So um, personal space is normalized, right? So always tugging, you know, six kids, always tugging close together in a car, not a big deal. Now, my dad's from England, right? Everything's at arm's distance, right? Mm -hmm. yep. and so even before words, there was something in me that was like, there's something weird happening here. Do you know what I mean? Between the two. My dad loved me. He would hold me all the time. And he, he literally said, I'm working on hard, so hard to be an American and to really get beyond my English boundaries and, and fears of boundaries. And, and he was very verbal and very clear about that. So he would always say to me, you know, if I'm not hugging you enough, please let me know. Do you know what I mean? But he was, he was aware of that. But when that happens at a young level, it made me realize there's something about connection and partnering and also how you partner. And I would say this, this is the architectural partnering. And thank you for picking up on that, Stephen, because with Baltimore, right, when you start to bring different races together, as you see, always our company is always diverse. Um, and you have to have them literally build upon their bodies and upon structures, right, then you're architecturally creating a new generation, a new society. That's what we're trying to do visually through the visual metaphor. And we know how important visual images are and kinetic images. So basically that is for me, the empowering images are so important. And as you see, like in this picture here, right? The girl's on top, right? Um, <laughs> she's, holding, she's holding her own weight on that structure also. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yep. um, you know, in terms of that's their benches piece. So I'll just give you a quick, um, you know, I could talk philosophically, but the very simple science to what we do is I think about what bothers me, what's bothering me at any time um, in life. And, um, and literally it's like, it gets inside me. And that's why I think I dance. It's like, I gotta get it out. Gotta get it out. Right. Yep. But then what's inside of me, um, you know, you start to say, huh, if it's inside of me, is this inside of other people? So I try to figure it out. You know, I start to ask a question and I start to interview a lot of people and it helps me to figure out a, some of the answers, but also if this is a charged question for them, because if it is a charged question for them of all different ages, of all the different levels we teach, then I know we're onto something that's going to be a hit and that actually is relevant and that's going to engage the company to make the dance piece, but also the audience. Cause that's the biggest thing I would say. I do modern dance. Modern dances often has a struggle to find an audience. And I think the, the struggle is because oftentimes we're not so relevant. Sometimes maybe we're making dances that are over people's heads and who, everyone's smart. Nobody wants to go someplace to say, I don't get it, right? Who wants it? Why are you going to pay money to go someplace to feel <laughs> To feel stupid, right? Exactly. Makes actually no sense, right? So it's like, how do you create work that is, um, you know, relevant, but also people can decode it. And how do you decode that for the audience? So that's been something that's been fascinating for me that actually leads to a lot of quality performances because it's also like, what happens before the dance in a concert that you can help the audience understand the dance? How can you enter the audience into the world so they could start to understand the piece before the piece even starts? Is that a pre-show? You could do a pre-show conversation, right? Could be, that's fine, a little boring, but could you also do that as a performance? Could you, you know what I mean? Could you create a small little a piece, a minute long piece that's gonna ask the questions? So, you know, we start to create performances that are kind of fun like that, but that are also very intentional. And our pieces, here's an example. Um, you know, I would say this, the Benches piece came out and that's one we didn't really talk about there, uh, yeah. Benchmarks, was when Whitney Houston died, this was uh, created right around then, we thought to ourselves, um, how it's so horrible that someone has to die before we can acknowledge how much we love them and how much we appreciate them. And I remember Oprah saying that if Whitney had just heard that from people, from the people she needed to hear it from, maybe she would not have had the same uh, short life. Who knows, right? We don't yeah. know. 
so that we were working on um, a set about benches at that piece and benchmarks because quite honestly, this was a commission. Somebody had asked us to come in and actually create a set. We, we often like start the pieces ourselves, but somebody commissioned us and asked us to create a space in their lobby. And Very their cool. Lobby- amazing benches so we're like all right well what are we gonna do benches and i can't for me I'm, i can't just do a piece about benches it has to be about something with benches so we kept looking at them and we thought oh they kind of look like coffins and open coffins too from the other side so we really just asked that question with benchmarks like you know what are we doing what are our marks like are we appreciating every day letting people know what it is that we appreciate you know um while they're there and not too late not when it's afterwards and that just created a lot of beautiful duets and then what we do is we ask those questions what do people appreciate who's someone that they would want to tell someone an appreciation letter to what would they write and then we hear that and we create a movement from those stories and those stories come from the dancers or from our community workshops right from people um or from our schools from the students let's so, let's uh, hold that thought right there because the stories i want to come back to in the next segment which we got to take a quick break but there is a lot of science behind what you do that i, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily pick up on immediately and with a lot just my experience dealing with my daughters in the dance program Programs that they do, but you know your 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 philosophy of the the architecturally informed partnering, and then you also have an acronym here that I like: Aspire Arts and Education programs just to engage everybody revolves around acquire knowledge, solve conflicts, partner to accomplish greater goals, which we've been talking about, improve academic achievement, respect self, others, and the environment. And last, but definitely not least, embrace community and diversity. And a lot of times that comes through the storytelling and that comes through the cool metaphors that you've used to describe some of your routines. But a lot of that falls into my world of madness, which I'm excited to talk a little bit further when we come back from this break with Adrian Clancy founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company. Stay with us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. Not just me. We're chatting with my friend, Adrian Clancy, founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company. Some great tidbits from Adrian thus far, blending the world of science and art in one of the more creative lenses out there. So we're going to dive a little bit into the madness here, the artistic observational part of the show, the stories from the field. No subject too taboo, Adrian. I, I think of a lot of the madness around the world of uh, dance and dance schools. I I just think of how young my kids were when they started and how old they are now. And it's, I, I know that that train's not going to stop. Uh, you know, my, my, my older daughter does all different disciplines of dance. I told you, uh, hip hop is her favorite these days, but, uh, she's always had a little bit of the director bug in her. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but she's, uh, there's, there's definite evidence of the stories along the way, the part, the routines that she's participated in and the ability to imp- improvise on her feet that, that really resonates as far as good life lessons and good leadership lessons. But I know you got a whole bunch of stories to share with us as well. So give us give us a little bit of the madness of the world of dance. <laughs> the madness. Well, you know, it's all mad. That's the key right there. You got to be a little crazy to go into the world of dance for a living. But, you know, I'd say not crazy. They used to, they used to, my, my mom used to say optimistic. You have to be very optimistic, <laughs> right? And so, um, but, you know, I, I, so, so I would say, right, the madness is that you've got to be mad enough to be able and willing to work probably 18 hour days for a long time. Um, but that's the key, right? If you love what you do, you're never working. So, but I don't know how true that is when you're really working those 18 hour days, seven days a week. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's it's that, and then, uh, you know, some mad stories, you know what, really, I would say this, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, When I was young, and I'm telling all the parents now to watch out, okay? So I went to a dance camp, I'm not going to say which dance camp it was, um, just to kind of give it some notoriety, and uh, I was supposed to stay in the dorm. And what happened was I realized that I could um, save more money and pocket some of that money if I didn't, if I got back the dorm money that I, that was put forth. And if I put it in, um, if I just rented from a room, because a friend of mine was like, I got a friend, stay with my friend. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much cheaper. Yeah, that's crazy. And the dorm money. Uh-oh, right? Uh-oh. Like, you know, day one is like, cool, it all works out. It's got a lot of friends over. So I'm meeting a lot of friends. Day two, there's like a lot of people and a lot of people, different people every day keep coming. So I'm like, mm. now, you know, I'm in dance camp. So I, I leave at nine. I don't come back till five. I'm working the theater at night. So, but I'm noticing that like, you know, a lot of people coming in, different people constantly. Then day three, oh, he says Uh-oh. he's got a friend who's got to stay. He's got to go off for a while. He's got a friend who's going to just take over his room. Um, so don't worry. She's cool. You know, so I meet a friend and, and, and it was not only her friend, but her friend and, and her partner. So the, both of them are living. So I'm like, all right, all right. You know, um, and then I start noticing day four, day five, all of a sudden, everything's starting to be gone from the apartment, right? We're losing the, <laughs> we're losing nothing, the to, nothing to worry about. Yes, right. By week two, the couch is gone. I mean, like everything's and, and, and the guy never came back. I never saw him again. Right. When he was gone day three, I never saw him after that. Just the friend who stayed there. So luckily I did have a little lock on my door. So I would just kind of, you know, close my eyes, walk in, go in, close my eyes, do my dance camp, dance all day, come back. Let me just sleep. You know? And by day, by week three, though, the door knocks and, uh, you know, there's a dude and his, his, his name is Slufa and he's got a gun, literally. And I can't make this up. Literally, that was his name, Slufa. And he had a gun and he was looking for the owner, the guy who had left, which I won't say his name. But I was like, <laughs> like 
my dance friends after that grabbed me. They're like, you cannot stay there. But this is what I say. That is the greatest metaphor for like, you know what I mean? You kind of just need to know that when you're throwing yourself in the fire of the dance world, it will work out because you got friends and nothing happens to me. It just made me get a little bit more leather skin. Um, but I just say that to your parents and for yourself, Stephen, like make sure you know what your kids are doing with the door money. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm glad to see that you made it uh, out of Slufa's clutches unscathed. That's a definitely good to hear. <laughs> but some, uh, you know, it, so definitely you live in a world of metaphors, and I, I always love metaphors. It's a, it goes a long way to telling a story. You know, all the, the d- different dance routines that you know, you've choreographed and put together you know, with the dance company, a lot of them, they'll have like the, the benchmarks one as an example. It'll actually have a bench as like, as like the prop and, and dance routines going around it telling a story using the prop. I think that's awesome. It's like it's just a, such an interesting process. And again, using the metaphor, great way to tell a story. Yes. Well, I have to tell you a little bit more about that. There is a really clear scientific method to the creative process that we use. So as I said, it starts with a question always, and then we do research always, and we interview. But what I'm listening for in the interview is I'm listening for what's a metaphor for a physical structure that we could use, because I know that our strength and uniqueness at Clancy Works is that we not only partner with human bodies we partner with structures because we also feel that we're going to learn more right so i would say this like with benches this is the biggest thing we learned with benches right those benches weren't quite even and we would move them up down change the perspective of the bench always and there was a thing where every once in a while the bench would just fall right but we know science right a body at rest will remain at rest unless right disturbed so it was always a thing of like you know uh, the bench is just falling, but it was like somebody had to tap the bench. <laughs> like the bench is not just going to fall. So it was, it became a thing of, you know, first blame, right? And you start seeing everyone's blame. So what are you going to do? You're going to blame the bench? Like after a while, it's like, you have to realize, it's like, I mean, and this is a lesson that I think our politicians can learn. How many times can you, you know, so we partner with structures because it's like, if you're doing something, we have a ladder in one piece, right? So if something happens with the ladder, you're going to blame the ladder? No, honey, you got to take, you got to start to look at yourself and realize who's responsible for the actions. So I love that in terms of just structures, that's something. And then the structures always have a metaphor. So we told you about yeah. bench. Uh, the first piece we did was back to the wall was literally like when your back is against the wall, like the pandemic, what are the opportunities that can you find? And what we found, and I would say this, Stephen, we did this before Matrix, which I think does say how old I am. So it's cool. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. Don't worry. No, no. Um, that's our new project is aging and dance, right? I'm above 50. And so that's our new process is learning how to do aging and dance. But the wall was literally, how do we, we ran and we partnered with partners to run the wall, just like the matrix before the matrix. Now we had to use partners because, you know, we weren't doing any TV magic, but we figured out how to do that. And how do you do that? You have to have the foundation and the person who's on the shoulders has to carry their own weight. So the foundation can't carry the weight. The person on the shoulders who's running the wall has to be just as strong, wanting to run that wall just as much as any one who, who's going to carry them up there and that's really you know a big part about anything in business and anything in life you got to do you know people will help you but you got to be willing to do it for yourself you're not going to be yourself you're not going to be independent it's always going to be interdependent yeah but you have to be will no one's going to do it for you that's like the immediate gratification that we were talking about yeah, I, I love the analogy with the with, with the with the ladders too it's like you told me that it's a well, analogy metaphor however you want to put it it's actually right next to your logo on your website the ladder and when you were speaking to me about the ladder piece it's like if you look at it through a scientific lens, it's like, well, a ladder really only has one way to stand up. Otherwise, it's not really going to do anything to help you. If you turn it upside down, it's not, you know, you're not going to be able to climb up there and do the job that you got to do. But through an artistic lens, what you had said to me was, you know, having the ladder upright is one thing. 
but putting the ladder in almost any other position is more amenable to doing a dance routine around it, which is an interesting lens to look at it through. Yeah, I mean, there were so many metaphors with the ladder piece because we had ladders of all different sizes. And the question we asked there was, how do we find the balance between your life and your work life? Right. And then um, I kept hearing when I interviewed people, the, la- the metaphor ladder just kept coming up. And at first we said, oh, that's so obvious. It's a ladder. But then because it came up so much, we were like, OK, we have to use the ladder. And exactly as you said, the biggest ladders were the clunkiest. And quite honestly, right, you get up there, there's just this little tiny shelf up there. So it's like, that's the 1%, right? It was so scary for anybody to be on the top of that ladder. It was so, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's scary to be out there by yourself. And also there's no room for anybody up there with the 1%, right? So if you're just trying to get to this 1%, it, like it, there was, it, and it was like, it was hard. It was heavy. Nobody wanted to rehearse. Nobody wanted to come up with like, court. then we should turn the ladder sideways. All of a sudden there's all this space for people. We could do headstands on it. We could do yep. handstands on it. We could jump in and out. And then we flipped it upside down. And and then it was like you needed it was like the seesaw but you needed people to keep it upright and then it was this amazing like can we turn the ladder into like a carousel can we turn it into a seesaw and then rehearsals just became fun right because yes no matter what you're doing if it's not fun ain't nobody gonna do it right seriously so you know i mean that's that's our that's our success with k through 12 is we teach people how to dance we're working right now in a financial literacy program uh for kids but we're going to have them dance the budgets and dance the dances as they understand it because you know what's the big I, for dancers i see the, the biggest fear for dancers is finances and business and it's like you are a natural business person as an artist. You just have to realize that, that they are so connected. Um, so that's our <laughs> like, how do you turn it? And one thing is you got to make it fun, right? Fun all, all, all I could think of when you said that was me walking into the dance school and them going, oh, yeah, you, you owe us for this invoice. And me going, my wallet's in the car. <laughs> Yeah, that's the you know, that's the budget dance that you keep on dancing, dancing, you dancing around the subject. <laughs> Oh man, no, it's uh, that you know for sure. There's there's so much deeper meaning with all of this, and you know, when you're talking about having a, a like a 12 foot ladder, let's call it, with a tiny little platform at the top, kind of representing the one percent. It's like think about how many dancers you have that are willing to do an aerial off the top of a 12 foot ladder and land, no problem. Like, it's true. And I would say this before we leave. I know we have to go, but the smallest ladders were the most intriguing, and we used this for like conferences because people saw this about strategic planning. They asked us to do the dance for their strategic planning conference because they saw the issue of power. But they realized that the big clunky ladders, the people who hold on to power forever, were, was the same, that like they're the, they're the weights in an organization. The small light ladders were the most creative and caught the eye, which tells us, right, the new fresh energy is stuff that we want in our organizations. And I know we have to take a break. Yeah, but it, so, it, but there's, a, there's some interesting similarity here. To, you know, we, we've talked about leadership training and skill sets that you can gain by having a good blend of, of science and art. And there's, there's, there's a lot to be a lot to be said there there's just uh yeah, there's there's a lot of different lenses that you that you that you can look at this through. Yeah, there's especially if you take something like a ladder. I think of improv prop comedy, right? Like that's I, I've done improv classes as as far as leadership training goes. Being able to to think on your feet and be like, you know, not just to make the audience pee their pants, which is always a good discussion, but you know, just as far as being able to think on your feet and being articulate and engaging everybody. 
and I think I think there's a lot of kind of similarity to you know to some of what you just said there. It's there's a lot like you look at a tiny little step ladder. There's you can change light bulbs with it. That's the scientific application for it. But you look at it through the artistic lens. There's all kinds of things that you can do with it, which I know that you know, and I hope everyone out there is hearing this. There's more than one way to look at at all these things. But we're gonna take a quick break. We will be right back with Adrian Clancy, founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We are chatting with Adrian Clancy, founder and artistic director at Clancy Works Dance Company, a nonprofit organization based in Montgomery County, Maryland, but making an impact all over the place, including right here on the airwaves on talkradio.myc. You've, you've given us some great messaging, Adrian, a lot of it straddling the world of science and art, a lot of it trying to, to bring some clarity and understanding to common everyday discussions that can be done through the creative lens. I love it. A lo- couple of thoughts that came to mind for me, you know, I know you've been pursuing your passion. There's a lot of deeper meaning than other than just the surface level of just an entertaining type of performance. Uh, but, you know, also you mentioned the idea of not necessarily being dependent, but interdependent, which, again, comes back to surrounding yourself with the right people, the right dance troupe, the right dance instructor, however you want to look at it. I'm just th- thinking of my daughter and I'm, I'll probably have to take her to dance school later. But give us a little bit of, of the sound bites, the whole idea from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact. You know, let's let's give everybody a couple of things they can remember over the weekend while they're enjoying the cocktails. All right. Well, while you're enjoying your cocktails, I would say first and foremost, okay, we uh, 
our taxes pay for the arts. So I would just say, make sure that you, when you are voting and you need to vote, 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 whoever you're voting for, I would ask you to just ask what their take is on arts and arts funding. Most people want to cut that first and foremost, but what I hope that you've heard from this conversation is that my success, I actually should tell you, you know, all of my degrees, I had full scholarships for to go to all of those degrees and all of those programs, but even with full scholarships, it costs to actually go, right? And you have to live there. So I still do have a huge student loan, which I am super excited that will be uh, forgiven in a year because of the um, PSLF, uh, which is basically from having a nonprofit for so long and giving back. Um, so I tell people this, and this is what I want to tell you know, vote, 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 and make sure that your arts council is supporting the arts. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, right? Arts are for arts for everybody. They are a comment on what's going on in our world and what we want to say and who we are in our communities. So please just really um, check in on all of your, the, 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 any, any official that you're voting for, just ask what they're platform is for the arts because you know what we know this in neighborhoods i would just tell you look at real estate look at regentrification right you find a neighborhood that is poor and suffering you put an artist community there within 10 years no one could buy into that community because the artists made it hip and now real estate actually the artists can't even live there anymore that's something that artists are (laughs) trying to figure out how to buy their real estate that's something else right right that's what I say. Just really make sure that you are supporting the arts as the simplest thing. Um, and then I would say, too, is not to be afraid. Not to be afraid. First, stick So not to be afraid, right? So you can go into the dance world. I own two houses, right? I always have a new car. I, I'm the first owner of every car, you know, that I own. I am, um, always have money in my account. I go on vacations, you know. I'm in Wildwood right now. So it's like, you know, you can totally live the life you want. So fear not. But you do have to want to work. And that's the stick Like, you have to know that no means no for just now, right? I've auditioned for people, Bella Lewitsky, who I danced for. I asked her multiple years to see if I could audition for her again and again and again. She said, no, 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 no. Finally, when it was the right timing, she said, now's the time to audition. And I had a private audition. Do you know what I mean? So no just means no for now. And I say that because all business and entrepreneurs, you need to realize that. It's just, it's just like, you know, something to learn and another thing. But it means you just have to go at it at a different way or a different time. I, I would agree. No means not right now. And a lot of times people look at that ju- just through the lens of sales. And you'll he- he'll hear me say all the time that sales and business development are applicable to every single industry out there, even the nonprofit community, as far as how to best sell your vision and best sell your mission and actually to get people to engage with it. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the arts. I uh, did some theater when I was younger, a lot younger, uh, but also had my own visual and performing arts studio. That's where I started screwing around with a green screen many years ago, which is something that everyone knows I love to do. You know, but it's, it's just, you know, a lot of it just comes back to the idea of, and this is, again, where science and art comes into play for me. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's like, you go, oh, yeah, I, have a, I have a dance routine that involves a ladder. Great. Like, <laughs> that sounds pretty cut and dry. But, you know, you get the idea that this is, you know, everyday props can be used in things like improv comedy and in dance routines. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I would say, you know, it's the tagline that goes with it. So we had the latter one, as we said, that was like really trying to understand the life and work balance. Um, I, we did a piece called Light Armor with Plexiglass Structures. And I love that because that was really about communication and what's in the room that everybody knows is there, but we're just not going to acknowledge it, right? So rather than putting an elephant, an elephant was a little too hard of a prop to work with. Why? <laughs> 
you know, that would be, you know, for right now, for right now, see, just for right now, we could think about how we could work that one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Soon, soon. But, um, so we use plexiglass as like the, the walls that are there that are invisible, but they're clearly there and no one's acknowledging them because you can't see them, but we bump into them all the time and we're there and then focused on that in relation to, um, relationships and what are the, the walls that break down communication in relationships, whether that is like your love partner, your artistic partner, your family, your business partner, politics, do you know what I mean? In terms of like, so those walls that start from like a one-on-one, and this is a big thing that I see when we, anything that we investigate as a one-on-one, I would say all of my dances are all about relationships and communication yes. on some awesome. level. And it's like, you know, it's just a bigger picture, but we're all trying to figure that out. How can we communicate better? How can we listen better? How can we hear points of view that are not ours and still live with it and appreciate them? Absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, the acronym BREAD also out there. I, w- I want you to tell everybody what, what that means, because when you talk about the elephant in the room and the plexiglass type of thing, you know, I, I start going back to the idea of you going in and teaching in Baltimore County schools. And, you know, it's immediately like, OK, let's pair off and everybody flocks to light colors like it doesn't need to be that way. So t- talk to us a little bit about that BREAD acronym, because I believe that's uh, applicable there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I would say, you know, I would say, um, you know, one of the strategies first for me, and I'm not sure if this is exactly right or not, but what I do with that partnering idea too is, and then, you know, when you first see that, right, we, we first address it by not addressing it at first, right? Which is first, you know, let's partner again, someone you haven't partnered with again. And now you have to do it in six counts, find somebody else. Now you have to do it in four counts. Now you have to find in two counts, someone to partner elbow to elbow. So the focus is not who am I going to partner with, but I got to get an elbow. Do you know what I mean? I got to find an elbow to elbow in two counts. Look around, get the elbow. And then we also talk about who didn't get their partner, right? Because that also connects with the middle school kids who are sitting at themselves at the, at the lunch table by themselves. It's like, you know, participating is an active, it's an action. Do you know what I mean? You can't just expect people to welcome you in all the time yes you do need to be welcoming in your circle but you also need to be an active participant you have to want to go into the circle so you you know it's also helping students and also seniors right with seniors i do the same thing with seniors because as they're losing their social networks to help people understand how to maintain those social networks because what is as you said business right business is everything because what's business relationships it's all about relationships and people and helping people achieve what they want to achieve Perfect blend of science and art, perfect blend of people and business. Everything begins and ends with the people. You hear me say it at the beginning of every show. To get in touch with Adrian directly, she has a phone number, 301-717-9271. You can email info at clancyworks.org, website clancyworks, C-L-A-N-C-Y-W-O-R-K-S dot O-R-G. You can look for her on Instagram and on Facebook. She's all over the place. She's got quite a history, as you guys have heard. So... Very cool to have had you here, Adrian. And we were introduced by Matthew Hegum, who was a returning guest just a couple of weeks back, a mutual buddy of ours who you recently just went on the road with for a conference, right? Yeah, and he is now, Matthew Hegum is the, you know, he's the founder of 10K Creators, which he is, his mission is to get 10,000 creative artists financially stable. And then, of course, once he hits that 10,000, then it will be 100,000 creators and 1 million creators, right? Because he's just going to keep going. Yes. Um, He's the Associate Artistic Director, and he's someone has been in the Clancy Works world and has um, contributed to so many of our dances for 18 years. 
He's amazing. Um, and so, yes, and he is leading the new bread program. So building racial equity in the arts through dance is our new initiative. We started that um, through, through the pandemic. I couldn't sit still and we do all public school teaching. So what happened to me was um, I was like, we got to start something new and immediately seeing the riots and seeing what was taking place. We've always addressed diversity and inclusivity within our programming, but we didn't necessarily uh, talk about um, equity. And so that was really our focus. And so bread, um, what we we realized with a lot of the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusive training is it gets very heavy and people kind of leave those trainings maybe not so um, wanting to, I mean, I mean the weight is heavier than they have the interest to do action. So yep. what I realized was we got to dance. What does dance do? Dance <laughs> I want to dance. Yeah. So when we do our professional developments, we always dance. And what we did through Bread was we focused on dance forms oppressed of, of BIPOC people of oppressed communities. And if you focus on the dance, you understand what they're dancing and why they're dancing and what it is that they are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis which is why it's coming out in the dance and then if you dance it you could feel it you could empathize and you could start to understand will you be able to live in their skins no but this is the beginning of how we get people engaged in the conversations through dance and then we can have some real conversations about what's happening in each of our dance communities so the next <laughs> one's on financial literacy <laughs> <laughs> i like that actually we got to wrap up the show here but to give everyone the answers to my magical questions real quick your favorite characters from the world of movie and tv are popeye which I was not expecting, and Phoebe from Friends, which I could kind of see a little bit. Masseuse and musician, for sure. <laughs> so, your favorite TV shows? You said Nine Perfect Strangers, which is a new one for me, too, and All That Jazz, which is no surprise. You threw out a favorite musical as well, Sweet Charity, which is also a, a movie from years ago with the same director. And you love to hear guitar music from Prince. Very apropos, Ooh. considering we are about to jump into a weekend where everyone's going to party like it's 1999. But everybody has have a fun and safe Labor Day. Thank you once again for joining me here, Adrian. Sorry we didn't get to meet in person by the Jersey Shore. That would have been awesome, but we will make it happen one of these days. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Always Friday. We hope you got some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. We will see you next week, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right after Tommy Dion Philanthropy and Focus. Until then, everybody. Thank you. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.
all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 